MoneyWeb now on the money. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. I'm chatting with Anton Esser, Chief Investment Officer at 10X Investments. Anton, appreciate the time today. A note that you put out, which probably needs more time than we have and certainly is a brave one. You're saying time to rethink how we weight U.S. stocks in our global equity portfolios. Certainly over the last couple of years, truthfully decade, it's been a wonderful place to invest. A lot of it, of course, Magnificent Seven, but the returns have been great over the last 5, 10, even maybe 12 years. Yeah, hi, Simon. Actually, longer than that, you can almost go back to the late 80s when one Alan Greenspan took over the Federal Reserve. For the last 30 years, real returns in U.S. equities have been close to 8%. I mean, last 10 years, over 9 So, you know, but it's been a wonderful ride if you've been invested as much of your capital as possible in the U.S. equity market. Part of the challenge, and I want to drill into some of the issues, but you made a point in the article that you put out around just tax cuts, for example. I mean, they've undoubtedly been a driver both of equity and to a degree of growth. And of course, at some point, you ran out of road for cutting taxes. Yeah, you know, it kind of began, if you remember, back in the 80s with Reagan. You know, tax rates mm. then in the US were you know, mid-40s, and there's just been a kind of steady decline. Every single, in particular, Republican president that's got in has cut taxes and the Democrats haven't increased them. So your average tax rate's gone from kind of mid-40s to an effective tax rate closer to 15% now in the U.S. And that has contributed, you know, something like 0.8% to net income growth in the U.S. over that period. So it's been a big tailwind. And the tailwind has helped. If we then dig into the data, you make the point, I mean, you're not expecting earnings growth of giant numbers going forward. The U.S. has grown, but they're almost sort of muddling along. And if we look at the multiples, they need better growth for the multiples that we see. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, just take a little step back and look at that earnings growth. In the last 30 plus years, you know, you've had economic growth in the U.S. of 2.5%. And obviously, it's been a phenomenal time, and we've had leading U.S. companies, we've had you know, the internet, we've had globalization, we've had now artificial intelligence. But fascinating, if you look at sales, it's a top-line sales growth of non-financial corporates in the U.S. within that S&P 500, under 2%. So 1.9% real sales growth. So through that you know, incredible time, actually, you know, U.S. corporates have kind of grown below GDP in the U.S., But then the additional point really is that actually what's added to that EPS growth has been this point around tax cuts, so 0.8% contribution. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is, as we know, this is continual period and reduction in interest costs. So interest costs have contributed 0.7%. So if you add all of that up, almost 40% of earnings growth, so EPS growth in the US since the late 80s has come from interest costs and taxes. And then you make the final point there, which is around valuations. So valuations, you know, the multiple back then was 15. It's now over 30. And, you know, valuations are very sensitive to interest rates. They're discounted at future interest rates. So a large portion of that multiple expansions also come from interest rates decreases over that period of time. You know, it's really been the main driver of that 7.9% U.S. equity return in real terms we've seen in the last 30 years. But as you say, that's really 
you know, in the last couple of years, you know, come to an end. So it does really change the outlook from here in terms of what we can expect from long-term returns in the U.S. And that's the key point. We're not talking about a crash in the next days or weeks. We're talking around the next decade or so. And, you know, reversion to the mean, the lower growth coming through certainly suggests that we're not going to get the sort of returns that we've had from equity in the last couple of decades. Yeah, that's right. Who knows really what happens in the next six months, next 12 months even. It's very hard to forecast. You know, long-term returns can very much be driven by you know, something much more around the numbers. So let's go back to them. If you look at you know, the 10-year GDP forecast, it's the CBO actually, so it's the U.S. government, mm-hmm. which is typically overly ambitious. It's 2%. Now, if you kind of just run the numbers and we refinance at these levels, and let's just assume that tax rates stay incredibly low, the Trump tax cuts next year get rolled over and all these things. So we stay at that very low 15% rate. Then we have an earnings growth of 1.8 in the US. And that's actually making some pretty bold assumptions. You know? So therefore, earnings is in line with GDP, whereas the last 60 years has been below GDP. And you take that 1.8 and you feed it into a model, right? And you take your valuation multiple, that number 30 I mentioned earlier, you kind of have some form of a mean reversion. And let's once again be take the optimistic side. We take a mean reversion to a much more recent Cape multiple of 26. You know, we start to get to kind of real returns of just over 1%. And if you go to longer term valuations, then you actually get a negative real return hmm. expectation of US equities of you know 0.6%. So that's a big change in the world we've been living in the last 30 years. You know, plus eight, nine percent real returns in the largest market in the world really in the next 10 years going something closer to zero to one percent it just changes the dynamic completely of how you manage your retirement portfolios so where does that leave the investor looking for good old-fashioned quality dividend payers evaluations and of course i mean bonds which are enjoying their day in the sun at the moment yeah i think there's two or three takeaways here i think firstly absolutely that first point is that for the first time in a long time Real return expectations in bonds, be it developed market or indefinitely the South African market, are attractive. Secondly, you know, outside of the U.S., emerging markets are you know much more attractive than using the same mass that we've mm-hmm. gone through here. And then the third point, which is the crucial one, is as you say, this is very distorted by big tech in the U.S. You know, if you take a much more equally weighted, let's say S and P 500, the numbers are a lot more attractive, and a lot of that is very much skewed towards defensive plays. You know, the names that we all know, which are trading at much more attractive valuations with actually pretty good earnings growth over the last 10 years. So those are really the three actions to take away. If one thinks out long term, short term, it's a completely different story. We leave it down to Nessa, Chief Investment Officer, 10X Investments. Appreciate the time. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.